Thank you so much for joining us today at our Savior's Church, where we are one church meeting in five different locations. And our goal is to help you on your spiritual journey to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference in the lives around you. If you'd like to learn more about our Savior's Church or how to get involved, visit us online at OurSavior'sChurch.com. I have the privilege of starting a brand new series. I want to get us going on the right foot. There's a fashion trend that is starting to uh, take over our young people. Um, and it's this, this, maybe you've seen that out on the streets. It's, they think it's new, so we'll just let them think it's new, but it's really not. Um, these, these brightly colored lenses, have you seen them that, that they're wearing? These, these brightly colored, you know, solid blue lenses on the sunglasses, right? Or solid red lenses on the sunglasses. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, for those of you that have no idea, I brought a pair today for you to see. <laughs> Not really, but let's see. Come on. Yeah. Here we go. Y'all think I could pull this off? It's, it's really the jacket that pulls it off, isn't it, 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 the whole thing? Here's, here's the problem I have with, with colored lenses like this, is they make everything look that color, don't they? Just imagine if some of you were wearing red-colored lenses, and some of you were wearing blue-colored lenses, and some of you were wearing orange or yellow-colored lenses, and I were to hold up a sheet of white paper, and then I were to ask you, hey, what color is this paper? Those of you wearing the red-colored glasses would think that it's colored what? Those of you the blue would say it's blue, yellow would look like yellow, but what's the truth? What, What color is it really? is white. It's a challenge if you're wearing a certain shade of glasses to really be able to see things clearly as to how they are. And when you wear multicolored or colored lenses like that, everything you see is shaded to that hue. And so it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out where I'm headed with this topic today. But just imagine if you didn't know you were wearing a shaded lens and didn't realize that everything you see around you is shaded by that lens, right? Now, I'm just asking about a sheet of white paper, not that big of a deal. But what happens if if the things that you're wearing or the lenses you're looking through are shading other aspects of your life as well? What if they're shading the way you see other people? What if they're shading the way you vote? What if they're shading the way you see your news feed on social media? Now, all of a sudden, it goes from not necessarily being that big of a deal, whether the paper is white or blue or yellow or red. But these matters of issue and society and all of those things, culture, is a big deal now, isn't it? How many of you realize it's important to make sure that we're looking through the right lens when we look at the world around us And that's a big, big deal. What if I were to tell you that we could look at the world around us from God's point of view? Not not your point of view, not Pastor Don's point of view, but God's point of view, being able to see things exactly as God sees it. Before you and I had a chance to distort it, before our experiences in this world had a chance to, to betray us or shape us, to distort What if our worldview aligned with a kingdom or a biblical word view? A word view. 
Do you think it might be possible? Let's pray. Father, I thank you for today. I thank you for the opportunity we have to share your word, to let it soak, to let it shape. And I pray, Father, that you would speak to us today about your culture the way you see it. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Amen. Thank you, Andrew. You say, well, Pastor Don, I'm, I'm a Christian. Doesn't, doesn't that mean that I have a biblical worldview? I mean, after all, I'm, I'm a Christian, and, and here's the challenge. Simply saying that you're a Christian doesn't give you a biblical worldview, does it? Hmm. Yeah. As a matter of fact, and this may scare you a little bit, a new study from the Cultural Research Center at Arizona Christian University found that only 37% of pastors that they surveyed had a biblical worldview. I'll just let that sink in for a second. Only 37%. What do you mean, Pastor? They took over 1,000 pastors from all across the country, all denominations, all walks of life, all of that, and they asked them a series of questions. They asked them about family and value of life. They asked them issues related to God and creation and history. They asked issues related to their personal faith practices. They asked about matters of sin, salvation, an individual's relationship with God, and they compared their answers to Scripture and found that only 37% of them had a full or a completely biblical worldview. The reality of what they found, and this is pastors I'm talking about, is they found that their worldview is more like a gumbo. A little bit of this, a little bit of that, a little bit of this sprinkled in, a little bit of secular culture, a little bit of popular opinion, a little bit of society's beliefs up in the middle, and they, they, they put it in and intermingled it with their biblical understandings. And here's my challenge, here's our challenge today. If that's true for these pastors, what do you think is true of the people in their congregations? It's a big deal. We've got people walking around wearing glasses and they don't even know that the lenses that they're looking through are shaded and colored and it's affecting everything that they see, everything they do, and the thing that's around them. Have I got your attention yet? Can I help you today? We don't need opinions. We need truth. We need truth. We don't need, well, I believe. We need, it is written. We, we don't just need, oh, you do you. No, we need obey God's word. That's the standard that we're trying to live off of. Are y'all with me today, four of you so far in, in the middle? We can't do that if we don't know our Bibles. We can't do that if we don't let this word become the lens that we look through when we see the world, when, when we look into a mirror. Do you look at yourself through this word? One of the privileges I have of being part of a team of pastors across all of our congregations is several times a year we'll sync up and we'll have a conversation or, or something that we feel is near and dear to our hearts and we'll collaborate on a message or a series of messages and that's what we're doing here today. All of our campuses across all Acadiana are launching into this kingdom culture because here's what we believe. There is a culture at stake the society is trying to put inside of your mind and you may not even realize it. 
I mean, you know, you don't have to go looking for culture. Culture comes looking for you. Culture comes looking for you. And over the next four weeks, we're going to take four scenes from Scripture and we're going to unpack them and let them help us see the way or see the world the way that God sees the world. We're going to talk about creation. We're going to talk about the fall. We're going to talk about redemption. And then we're going to talk about new creation. Are you all ready to jump in and see what God might have? Listen, there may be some things, spoiler alert, that we say and share, that I say and share from this book that may disagree with what you thought or with what you believed. And that's okay, and it's supposed to. We're supposed to allow the Word of God to come and shape us and change us. If you go through life and you think, well, I don't agree with that, I'm just going to read this part of the book, or I don't believe with that, I'm going to read this part of the book, you're missing it. This is the lens that we read through. And I got news for you. If I wake up in one morning and I think something about my life or my world or my family or the situation around me, and I find something in this book that says contrary to that, guess which one is changing? Not the book. Me. And I cannot say that I want to be a Christian and let my life be conformed to the image of Christ without letting this word change me in the process. I've been doing this for a minute, okay? And if you knew me years and years ago, you'd be thinking, whew, I don't know, Pastor Don. But over time, this book has shaped me, and I want it to help shape us. Are y'all ready? Can we buckle in um, to do that? Look over at your neighbor. Say, Kingdom Culture. It's coming to you. We're going to rewind all the way back to the beginning, to creation the book of Genesis, and I say rewind, and and I lost half of you because I don't even know what that means anymore. Shout out to Blockbuster Video, all right? Kids, you don't know about Blockbuster. When a new movie came out, you'd have to get off work early and go to a store, and there were these shelves that were about this tall, and every movie that you could possibly get your hands on was in that shelf unless somebody got there before you did and pulled it, and you you couldn't get it, right? And then you had to plan ahead and see, man, I, do I have time to watch all of these because they're due back, like a library, and if I don't take them back, I got to pay for them extra and have penalties. How many of you remember going up to, the, to rent a movie and you had a late charge that you didn't know about? That's where some of you developed some of your debate skills, right, right there, is at that blockbuster countertop to do that. There was a sign there that said, please rewind before returning. In my house, we watched a lot of movies. I actually had a device that you'd pull the VHS tape out. Kids, just bear with me for a sec. You can Google this. They'll tell you all about it. And you put it in here, and you click it down, and it goes, for like three minutes straight. And it would rewind this video all the way to the beginning so you could start it over again. My kids have no idea about rewind today. They just think that double arrow to the left is start over, or the little circle with the arrow. Let's, let's replay that. We've almost lost a word on our vocabulary today. It's rewind. We're going to rewind today into the book of Genesis. 
where it all began. And it's, it's such an important book, and it answers so many questions if you'll let it. If you'll read it, if you read it just for the stories, that's great. But if you read it thinking, what does this have to say to me today? What, what are some things that I would see? Where did we come from is answered in that book. Why are we here? What is right? What is wrong? How did things go wrong? Dr. Scott would say it this way. Almost every major doctrine of the Bible is found in seed form inside the book of Genesis. Let's dig in. It's a great place to start if you're wanting to line up with how God sees things. Remember, most of you are walking around like this and you don't even know. You're wearing glasses and people are looking at you like, I don't know if you're seeing that correctly, Pastor Don. Let's look and see what Genesis says. Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Pause right there because you need to know, in the beginning, it was God who created all things But before there was a beginning, there was a beginner. There was a beginner. God didn't show up. He was. He always existed. You may ask, well, who created God? No one created God. He existed before the world was created and will exist after this world passes away. He is the uncreated creator that created everything under heaven and earth. Try saying that three times fast. I'm not even going to try There was a scientist that uh, challenged God one day, got a little ahead of himself, thought, well, I could do this, cloning's coming a long way, and he challenges God. He says, God, let's see who can make the better human, you or science. So God entertains him, says, sure, I'll buy it, let's go, go ahead, create your human, I'll create mine. The scientist is excited, he bends down to grab some dust, and God says, "Uh uh-uh, uh-uh, you got to go find your own dust to start with um, in the middle of this. Genesis 1, 2 through 5. Keep going. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. Think about that. Without form and void. No order, no function. It was chaotic. Can you say that word with me? Chaotic. That's how things were and the spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters and we're about to watch God bring order to the chaos and about to watch him bring light to the darkness and God said verse 3 let there be light and there was light and God saw that the light was good and God separated the light from the darkness God called the light day and the darkness he called night and there was evening and there was morning the first Day And just in these first few passages, we see a picture, a glimpse of what God does when he creates new life inside of us. So what are you talking about? It's a, it's a picture of salvation. He turns the light on in our hearts and he separates us from the darkness that exists, that's there. Can you know, apart from God's work in our lives, you and I were dark and without form. We were void and without purpose. It was chaos in your life. Think about it. Think about your life before God. It's chaos, right? God came in. The the Spirit of God hovered over you like he did that water that day. And he said, let there be light. And now all of a sudden you could see things. And over a process of time, God separated the light that he put inside you from the darkness that was there. He gave us eyes to see the light and now we're born again by the Spirit of 
of God. And there's a, there's a kingdom culture moment here I need you to pick up, and this is important. Why? Because just like creation, salvation is not a work of man. It's a work of God. You are, you are not the creator of a better future for yourself. You're not your own savior. You can't speak anything to existence and let it magically materialize before you. If it weren't for God's intervention in your life, your life would still be as chaotic as it was that day. I need you to understand that. If you think that the life you have is because of the things that you've done, you may be looking through a lens that's shading things and keeping you from seeing it was God who did this for you on your behalf. It was God who created the form and the function. It was God who separated the light from the darkness in your life. Are you following me? Okay, I need you to understand this. There's another passage in scripture that starts with in the beginning, and we find it in the New Testament, in the Gospel of John. Um, And it also talks about light and darkness bringing order to chaos. Look at this. John 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him. Look at this. Without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Verse 14, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. And for those of you that have read the rest of John 1, who's he talking about? Jesus. Jesus was the light that brought life into the world. Peter would say it this way in 1 Peter 2.9. He says, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of what? Out of darkness into his marvelous light, which means that if it had not been for Jesus, we would still be in darkness and without life, and our lives would be full of chaos. Be full of chaos. And just as God separated the light from the darkness, we're called to be separated from the moral darkness of this world. Kingdom culture moment here for you that I need you to understand. It's the separation that makes us relevant. It's the separation that makes us relevant. You don't have to act like the world in order to be relevant to it. I do need you to know that. I need you to understand that you don't have to be like everybody else you see on TV in order for God to use you to reach everybody you see around you. The fact that it's different, that that you're separated from that, that separation causes the distinction for the light, for the dark to be able to see that there is light that was there. The light wasn't turned on in your heart so you could see how to flee and hide yourself from this dark world. The light was turned on so that you could shine. The light was turned on so that you could shine. I'll paraphrase 1 John 1, 5, or John 1, 5, it says this, darkness does not overcome light. Light overcomes darkness. Look at the way Jesus said it in Matthew 5. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives life to all in the house. Some of you that grew up in church when you were little, we used to sing a song, this little light of mine. 
I'm going to let it shine, right? What do you think we're trying to teach our kids? God's put a light on the inside of you that other people need to see, but this world will try to convince you that you have to be like it in order to reach it. It's not true. Take the lenses off. Let's see it the way God sees it. I was working on the back porch or the side porch earlier this week. Sun went down and I still had some work to do. We brought out the work lights and I turned on these bright work lights. I was amazed at all the bugs and critters that came out of the dark. I wouldn't have seen them if I hadn't turned on the light. There was something about that bright light in the middle of that darkness that was attractive to things that started to come. And if it's true of bugs and all kinds of stuff, it's true of people as well. There are people around you that you don't even know are attracted to you because of the light that they see inside of you. And if you go through life thinking that what God has done in you is meant for these four walls only, you're missing it. That little light inside of you needs to shine so other people can see it, so they can find their way to the source of that light, which we know is not us, but who? God in us. Are y'all with me? This is all in Genesis in this creation story. It continues in this manner, and I'm going to just go through this really quickly so you can see. I'm going to paraphrase some of this. Day one was the creation of light. Day two, the creation of sea and sky. Day three, creation of the fertile land and of earth. Day four, stars and heavenly bodies. Day five, living creatures of the water and sky. Day six, living creatures of the land. And after each of those, God said, It is good. It is good. But God wasn't done. And on day six, he said this, verse 26. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man, look at this, in his own image. The image of God, he created him, male and female. Don't miss this. He created them. Who created the male and female? God created male and female. They were were made in the image of God? Pastor John, what what does that mean? I want to summarize the thoughts of scholar and theologian John Walton. He said it this way. We aren't made in the physical image of what God looks like, but we are made as a physical representation of what it is like to be like him. So think about it for a second. We have minds and reason. We're made in the image of a rational God who creates and acts with intelligence and intentionality. We're made in his image. It differentiates us from other creation. We have a capacity to choose right from wrong because we're made in the image of a moral God. There are things that are right and things that are wrong. And when we look at them the way God sees them, we can discern the difference between the two of them. We're a representation of what God is like. We have a desire and a capacity for relationship. Why? Because we're made in the image of a relational God. 
We said a couple weeks ago, it's not good for man to be alone. Why? Because he was made in the image of God, and God himself didn't even create alone. It was God the Father, God the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Trinity was there at the beginning, and God wants us to live in relationship as well. All of this was created by him, and when we use our lens to look at ourselves and our world, we fail to see that. And if you're not looking through the right lens and you look through the wrong lens, you'll actually see some of the things that God put in order start to come to chaos in your own life. Think about that for just a second. Everything was chaotic till God spoke it and separated it. And as you live it the way God has you live it, things in your own life become in order and they become light. But when you start seeing things the way the world wants you to see, how many of you know it's not far till it becomes a little darker and a little more chaotic in the middle of things? It's because people aren't seeing it the way God is seeing it. They're not using this kingdom culture that God has given us. Things go from order back to chaos when we're not looking at the right lens. Now follow me. Here's the next thing we see in creation because All people are made in the image of an immense God. All people have immense value before God. We're made in his image. All people. Now listen, kingdom culture moment here. We make a big deal about divisions that God doesn't even make. We make a big deal. right? Why are things so chaotic between black and white and the different races that exist in our culture? God read the creation story. God doesn't make that distinction. Man made that distinction. And when man makes a distinction that God doesn't make, things go from being light and in order to chaos and darkness. That's the problem we have here. We're looking through the wrong lens. I don't read anything in the creation story about politics. I don't read on the fifth day he made the Democrats and on the sixth day he made the Republicans. I don't hear it. That's a man-made distinction that he made. And we wonder why we've got so much chaos in the middle of our political system. Because that's a distinction that God never makes in Scripture. Could it be? that we argue and we fight and we disagree, not because we're different, but because we see distinctions that God doesn't see. We're looking through the wrong lens. Are y'all with me? I'm preaching a lot better than y'all are responding. That just tells me it's sinking in nice and deep. If you think one race is superior to another, if you think that If you can't find biblical truth on both sides of the political division, you're looking through the wrong lens. There's a lot of chaos in our world today regarding abortion and choice, is there not? Yeah, yeah. The unborn and the born. Listen to me, church. When you have a biblical worldview, you understand that that's not a distinction that God makes. That's not a distinction that he makes. That's a man-made distinction. The unborn are no less different and no less valuable image bearers of our creator God than you and I. Which means, as if if things are chaotic, I want you to start thinking about this. If I look, why is it so chaotic? Why is everybody fighting? It may be that we're looking through 
the wrong lens. We're making distinctions that God never intended to make. You with me? But the opposite is true as well. Because I read the creation story, and I see that there are distinctions God has made that man is trying to unmake or to try to blur the lines and put them together. And guess what? That's getting chaotic too. Because I read this. It says, male and female, he created them. God made those distinctions, and man's trying to blur the lines and get them to come together. That there's no longer a distinction between male and female. How many of you know that's chaotic? Why is it chaotic, church? Because God never intended those distinctions to be brought together. He made them male and female. You don't get to choose that. God created them. You see that? It's, it's not that I don't have compassion for people who don't understand that. They're just wearing the wrong lens and I'm trying to help you understand there's a light that God has put on the inside of you and he needs you to walk around letting it shine so that people who are walking around in chaos and darkness know where to find the source of that light. Are y'all with me so far? He made you male, he made you female, and if you try to make yourself differently, you're stepping into the role of creator, and you're stepping back from order and life and into chaos and darkness. Y'all got room for more? Remember, this isn't Pastor Don's culture. This, this, this isn't even OSC culture, this is kingdom culture. We're talking about biblical worldviews. Have you ever wondered how there can be seven billion people on the planet and yet each of us made in the image of God? Take a second, look around at the people next to you. Is there anybody that's looking at somebody that's just like them? Some of you are like, absolutely not. I got Pastor Sean and Isaac sitting up here. And close, I see it, a little, 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 little bit of resemblance. But all of us are made in the image of God. There's a unique God-given expression intentionally put on the inside of every person. God-given. Every single one of you are a valuable image bearer, carrier of that thing that God put on the inside of you. And here's what that means. That if that unborn child isn't given a chance to live, then that unique representation of God will never be seen on this world. But we can't stop there. Because every orphan and every widow, if they're not given the help that they need to survive, then that unique individual expression of what God put on the inside of them will never be seen and experienced by everybody else on earth. We need to clap just as loud for the orphans and the widows as we do for the unborn. Why? Because every single one is an image bearer of God. The elderly, if they are not cared for, given care and attention and the dignity that they need, there's an image of God that we're missing out on. Every person is valuable before God. Are y'all with me? Your political lens will make you stop at one and exclude the other. But God sees every bit of his creation as valuable before God. If you yourself are suicidal and having struggles with mental health, 
Let me help you. You're seeing it wrong. There is an image of the creator God uniquely invested in the inside of you. And if you think this world would be better off without you, this book would say otherwise. And I know life is tough, and I know there's some circumstances and hens that you've been dealt that I couldn't possibly begin to understand. But that doesn't change what this book says about the very image of God that's with you on the inside, that light inside of you that needs to shine so that other people can see it. We do not get the choice of being able to choose among this list and decide which ones are valuable and which ones are not. God decided when he created, that's kingdom culture. Anything less than that is not kingdom culture, and you're looking through a wrong lens. Y'all with me? You still love me? Still like Pastor Don? You have value, you have purpose. You have a God who created you to represent you. And if you don't think life has value from the womb to the tomb, you're not seeing it the way God sees it. And I know that's going to mess you up. Because in just a few short weeks, you're going to go to the ballot box. And you're not going to be given a list of all four of those to choose from. Man's made some distinctions between the two. He's made it chaotic. It's darkness and not light. You need to know this word so that you don't stand up there to check a box and say, well, I believe. I need you to go up there and check a box and say, it is written. It is written. How many of you feel like this could be an uphill battle? seeing things the way that God sees them. In the beginning at creation, look at the way the creation story ends, Genesis 1, 31. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. But I wake up breathing the same air you breathe, and I look at the same news and society that you see. How many of you sometimes find it hard to see things and be like, it's very good? Oftentimes, it's not very good. It's not looking good at all. I think we've gotten away from God's intent, from God's purpose. We've brought our own worldview gumbo into society. It's intermixed with the way, the kingdom's way of doing things. And we wonder why this world is going from light to darkness, from order to chaos. And I hope our time together today has helped you see that it's quite possible that you're wearing a lens that is shading the way you see everything. And the way to overcome that is to take on a new lens, and that is the lens of God's word. And let me just tell you, church, we need revival. We need revival. So, Pastor Don, what is what is revival? What is, what does that mean? What, it, what, is, what does revival mean? If, if Pastor Jacob is my spiritual father and he had, he had an uncle, not of the flesh but of the spirit, and that uncle was a man by the name of Leonard Ravenhill. And so anytime I come across Leonard Ravenhill stuff, I consider that part of my genealogy spiritually. Let me tell you what Leonard Ravenhill said 
about revival. He said, revival happens when God gets so sick and tired of being misrepresented that he shows up himself. And that should scare me and every one of those 63% of pastors that don't have that biblical worldview. Can I just tell you, I want to represent God. I want to represent his way of doing things. And I love you enough to sacrifice your short-term happiness sitting in that pew in order to promote your long-term health and the things that's going to cause you to make a difference in this world that God, I didn't put you here. God did. And he had a plan for you. And he put that there. But we need revival to come to help us see that. I'm watching you guys. I'm just telling you. Sometimes I stand, I walk through and greet everybody before service. And sometimes I stand at the back and I'm watching you lift your hands and I'm watching you worship. And I see, I know what God's doing in some of you. I know the amazing things that you're believing for, that you're trusting for, and you're, you're asking him. And I'm watching him do it. We are watching God do some incredible things in our congregation, is he not? You're... You're seeing God move in an incredible way. How many of you ever left Sunday morning and you thought, man, I just want more. I just want more. I just want more. Can I tell you, I've got some things that I'm believing God for, some big things. For Kayla and I, for our family, for for the church, for you guys. And I want to be obedient. And I want to do everything I can to make sure that there's a place for you to get more. And I think God wants to give more. And that's what revival is. Revival is us believing that God's gonna do more than he's doing right now. But can I help you? It's not just God doing more, it's us doing more too. No revival ever came to somebody who was just doing what they've been doing. No revival ever came that it didn't cost somebody something more than they were currently paying. No revival ever came at a convenient time. It always comes at an inconvenient time. It always asks for more than we have to give. But I'm telling you, I think God is up to something and he's gonna do something and I just wanna be a part of that. So here's what I'm doing. I'm calling a fast. He said, a fast? We, we talking, we're, gonna, we're gonna not eat something? No, no, I'm not talking about a food fast. I'm talking about a time fast. I'm calling an opportunity corporately for us to come together during the middle of the week and give an hour to God. To just open the doors. I told the staff a couple weeks ago, I said, listen, I'm just going to open the doors and I'm going to turn on the lights and I'm going to be here. And I don't know who else is going to show up with me and it doesn't even matter. I know God's going to be here and I'm going to seek his face and I'm going to ask him to do more because I need more. So here's my invitation to you. I want you to join me because I think this world is slipping into chaos. And I think there's some things that you're believing God for also. And what happens if you show up willing to give more than you've given before? Is it going to be inconvenient? Absolutely it is. But I want more. I want more. I'm going to tell you, I have no idea what's going to happen. I'm not scripting this time out. 
I'm not coming prepared. I'm coming to open the doors, turn on the lights. We may have some worship. We may not. Depends on who shows up. But if you're hungry, if you can believe God for some more and you want to join me starting this Wednesday, we're going to be here 630. 6.30. 6.30. I don't want you to be distracted by your littlest one, so we're going to take care of child care, ages zero to five. Oh, wow. What about the older elementary kids? I want my kids in here. I want them to see me on my face, asking God to do something. Because they know. They see. And I don't want them to confuse the change that they see in my life with me doing something of my own. It was God who created. And I want them to see, man, I knew how things were before we started going to that encounter night. And I watched mom and dad cry out before God. How many of you say, Pastor Don, I'll be with you on Wednesday night. Come with me. Come join me. I know you got things to work out. I know you got work schedules and I'm not trying to compete with groups and I'm not trying to compete with athletics and all of that. If you can come, come. But when you come, we're going to seek God. I'm going to invite you to bow your head with me this morning. Nobody looking around, just listen to my voice. We talked a lot today about kingdom culture and how easily our worldview can become diluted if we don't know the word of God. We talked about creation how God brought order to chaos, light to darkness, and how he's still doing that in our lives today through his son, Jesus. We talked about your immense value and the great care and intentionality that God had when he created you. We saw that there is a light in you that gets turned on when the Holy Spirit comes. It dispels darkness and allows you to see things about yourself and the world around you the way that God sees it. And unless that light is on inside of you, you're looking through a distorted lens. Things will be chaotic. Darkness will be a defining characteristic in your life. Here's my question for you today. Is there a light on in you? Are you allowing that light to shine? Is it, is it separating you from, from darkness? Or, or are you trying to hide it and to blend in as if somehow being relevant is only possible if you act like the world around you? I need you in this moment to be honest with yourself. If you can sit here and you say, Pastor Don, I haven't been seeing things the way that God sees them, but I do now. And by his grace, I'm willing to change. You may be here today and you say, Pastor Don, I don't even know if I have a relationship with Jesus. I don't even know if I died today that the first face I would see would be the face of Jesus. If I'm honest with you, Pastor Don, I've been trying to do this on my own. I've been trying to be my own creator. I've been trying to be my own savior. I I feel like I'm just one good move or one break or one lucky chance away from things going right in my life. But if I'm honest, Pastor Don, it's chaotic. But sitting here today, I've got hope. And I think there's a light on inside of me. And I think just that day as the Holy Spirit hovered upon those waters that were form and without void, I think the Holy Spirit's been hovering over me today. And I think he's helping me to see that I'm a sinner, that I need Jesus. And I'm willing to try it his way. 
You hear me talk about this most every single week. The Holy Spirit does that work inside of you, making you born again. It allows you to see yourself. I would say A, B, C. It allows you to see that you, A, admit that you're a sinner, that your sin has separated you from a righteous and loving God. B, it allows you for the first time ever to believe that he sent his son Jesus for you. Not just for everybody, for you. And then C, it allows you to confess him as Lord and Savior. Not just Savior, but Lord. His way is better. And if you're here today and you say, Pastor Don, I've never been born again. I've never prayed to receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior, but I see it now and I want you to pray with me. I don't want my life to remain in chaos. I want it to be in order. I don't want darkness in my life. I want light. If you're here today with every head bowed, every eye closed, nobody looking around, you say, Pastor Don, will you pray with me specifically to be born again today? I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to ask you to stand up or even come to the front. But I am going to ask you to raise your hand so that I can see who I'm praying with today. If that's you, can you raise your hand now so I know who I'm praying with? Thank you. I see your hand all across this room. Thank you. I see your hand. Keep them up. I don't want to miss any one of them. Thank you. I see your hand. Buddy else up in the balcony. Thank you. I see your hands, both of you. Thank you. I see your hand. Thank you, I see your hand. You may put your hands down if you raise your hand. One more time before I pray, if you're here, you say, Pastor Don, I don't want to miss this opportunity, but I'm nervous, I'm a little scared, I'm not sure what this looks like. But I don't want to miss this moment. Before I pray with everybody, I'm going to give you one last time. Raise your hand, acknowledge what the Holy Spirit is doing in your life. Anybody? Those of you that raised your hand, I'm going to invite you to pray with us. I'm going to lead us in a prayer and I'm going to ask every single one of us to pray together, indicative of the fact that nobody goes through Christianity alone. Repeat this with me. Dear Lord Jesus, I believe that you're the Son of God. I believe that on the cross you took my sin, my shame, and my guilt and you died for me. I believe you rose from the dead to give me a place in heaven, a purpose on earth, and a relationship with your Father. Today, Lord Jesus, I turn from my sin to follow you with all my heart, no matter what it costs me. God is my Father. Jesus is my Lord and Savior. The Holy Spirit is my helper. And heaven is now my home. In Jesus' name, amen.